President Trump is expected to withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord signed by 192 nations. Yeah, but what do you know, CNN? You're fake news. May not happen. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Still ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in Pacifica the Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, and 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. We're also heard up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, you can find us on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, we're on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. All-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, well, Desi Doyen, <laughs> you picked one hell of a week, one hell of a week to decide to take a day off from ah. the Green News Report uh, yeah. for the holiday this week, didn't no you? No kidding. Just, what were just you a thinking? couple things happening, what maybe? What were you thinking? Uh, Media Matters reminds us today of their previous study Uh, that came out, I think, a month or two ago. Um, Here's how they put it. In case you missed it, network nightly newscasts and Sunday shows spent zero minutes, zero minutes, covering Trump's repeated promises during the 26th campaign to eliminate Obama climate regulations, including the Paris Climate Accords. The same network newscast spent over 100 minutes during the campaign discussing Hillary Clinton's emails. So zero minutes, zero minutes on uh, his repeated promises over and over again throughout the campaign to do away with regulations that had to do with climate and to exit the Paris Climate Accord, the landmark agreement between 192, is it, 190 countries? Um, The largest agreement, I think, worldwide that has ever been that has ever been attempted. Upon. Yes. yes, it's it's the largest uh, of all the countries altogether. It came into force the fastest in history, and yeah, it's the first uh, binding global agreement. So, which issue actually matters more to the American people and to the planet and to the future of uh, of both? More the fact that Trump may drop out of the Paris Climate Agreement, as we are learning again today. Uh, and risking the wrath of the world and the future of the planet itself along with it, or the fact that Hillary Clinton used a private email server 
when uh, she served as Secretary of State. Which one is more important? Which one is going to have farther reaching consequences? Uh, You know, if you are covering a presidential campaign, this is just reminds me again of what a huge failure the U.S. corporate mainstream media was and frankly still is. They're slightly better in the uh, in the Trump era. But, uh, you know, the fact that we warned on this show, Desi, uh, over and over and over again about the consequences of Donald Trump winning, what that would mean for the planet itself, yep. for planet Earth itself. Um, and it was just zero minutes spent by the uh, by the networks, which is kind of incredible. And because so much time was spent on the email nonsense and so little on climate and Trump's campaign promises to tear up at least the U.S.'s part in the largest international accord ever struck, it's very likely that few actually understand either the treaty itself or the implications of dropping out of it. So I want to spend some time today focusing on that in our never-ending goal of informing and educating the electorate under the premise that that is the job of the media. And that an informed electorate uh, is able to accurately express themselves at the polls uh, in this. uh, and, And frankly, that that is this nation's and this world's only salvation, frankly, an informed electorate who is able to go to the polls and cast their vote the way they want it and uh, to have it counted the way that they cast it. And to understand what it is that they're actually getting when they cast that ballot. Yesterday we discussed some fact-checking that was done by the AP regarding Trump's claims about NATO uh, member nations uh, claiming that they weren't paying their fair share, that they owed, owed huge sums of money to the U.S., and that thanks to Donald Trump's efforts, Donald Trump claimed, money was now pouring in from all of those NATO countries. Now, all of it, as the AP found, was completely untrue. NATO nations do not owe the U.S. any money, the AP found. In fact, under President Obama, the nations of NATO agreed to up their spending on defense to uh, about 2% of each country's GDP by the year 2024. With the nations of NATO, um, you know, currently they have been for some time increasing the amount that they spend on defense. That's what they are currently doing as they work towards that non-binding goal for 2024. Another AP fact check that we didn't get to yesterday, we ran out of time, regarded comments made by Donald Trump's top White House economic advisor, Gary Cohn. While the president and his team were were traveling abroad on their overseas trip last week, Cohen on Air Force One told reporters that the president is now, quote, learning to understand the European position on the Paris Climate Accord. In a striking comment, given uh, Trump's support during the campaign for, you know, things like American coal miners and coal mining, Cohen also noted that, quote, coal doesn't even really make that much sense anymore. He singled out natural gas as, quote, such a cleaner fuel. And he also noted that the U.S. could become a, quote, manufacturing powerhouse by investing in wind and solar energy. And this was one of those rare times that the AP did a fact check on the Trump administration and found that Cohn was absolutely accurate. (laughs) Uh, And they note in their fact check, quote, that's an accurate assessment of the improbability of reviving the coal industry and a statement at odds with his boss's vow to make coal king again. Trump and his team blame overregulation for the decline of coal. 
But market forces are the larger problem. Yes, free market. Free market problems uh, are the larger problems. Uh, natural gas supplies have surged, AP notes, with the advent of fracking, which is something that Republicans are huge supporters of. And they add making uh, uh, coal increasingly uncompetitive as an energy source. So those are the truth. That's the facts as we head into this, as we head into this uh, uh, report that we get now from the uh, from the Trump White House today that has been bouncing all over the news wires and the news services today. President Donald Trump is expected to withdraw the United States from a landmark global climate agreement. A White House official said on Wednesday, though Trump and aides were looking for caveats in language related to the exit and had not yet made a final decision. Leaving the deal would fulfill a central campaign pledge, but would certainly anger international allies that spent years in difficult negotiations that produced an accord to reduce carbon emissions, otherwise known as the, as the, the Trump climate, the Paris climate <laughs> agreement. AP notes that Trump faced considerable pressure to hold to the deal during his visits with European leaders and even with Pope Francis on his trip abroad. The official, who insisted on anonymity to discuss the decision before the official announcement, said the president and his team were finalizing details of a pullout. And Trump tweeted on Wednesday, quote, I will be announcing my decision on the Paris Accord over the next few days. All caps make America great again. Trump said in his tweet on Wednesday, he's drawing this out like it's a reality TV show reveal. Well, some have said that, but uh, that's because, you know, you're uh, you're pessimistic and you have a <laughs> cynical outlook on life. I would like to think that he is still speaking with advisors many of whom are arguing that he needs to stay in the Paris oh, Climate of Agreement. And major corporations, even oil companies, were saying so. While Trump currently favors uh, an exit, AP reports, he has been known to change his thinking on major decisions and tends to seek counsel from a range of inside and outside advisors, many with differing agendas, right up until the last minute. Trump's top aides have been divided so far on the Paris uh, Accord. Trump was was supposed to meet today, actually, with Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. He has, mind you, former ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson, <laughs> he has favored remaining in the Paris deal. And so if he's meeting with him uh, late on Wednesday, maybe that will be a good sign. Chief strategist Steve Bannon, however, supports an exit. Senior advisor Jared Kushner AP reports generally thinks the deal, the Paris deal is bad, but would like to find a way to find a way to see if the U.S. emissions targets can somehow be changed. Well, they can be changed. It's a voluntary pact. Yeah. Ivanka Trump's preference was to stay, but she made it a priority to establish a review process. So her father heard from all sides of the debate. According to a senior administration official uh, who was not authorized to discuss Ivanka Trump's thinking and spoke on condition of anonymity. Nearly 200 nations, they note, including the U.S. under President Barack Obama's administration, agreed back in 2015 to voluntarily reduce their greenhouse gas emissions in an effort to combat climate change. So in truth, you know, it's voluntary. We could stay in and just, you know, not try very hard. 
Yeah, do nothing. And we would still uh, meet the requirements, I think, of the voluntary Paris Agreement. Well, yeah, since they're voluntary, even if we miss our targets, there is no consequence for it. A senior U.S. official, I'm sorry, a senior European uh, Union official said that the EU and China would affirm their commitment to the pact. That's EU and China would reaffirm their commitment to the Paris Pact regardless of what Trump did and spell out uh, uh, during talks uh, coming up Friday in Brussels how they plan to meet those obligations. This is kind of important. This mm-hmm. is the first ever bilateral bilateral agreement mm-hmm. between the European Union and China on this. They're talking about, OK, fine, the United States doesn't want to lead. We will. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking the lead. And by the way, uh, Reuters also uh, additionally reports today that India is also expected to confirm its commitment to the Paris Agreement. In fact, uh, the Indian prime minister did so, uh, I think, earlier this week with uh, with uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Uh, So India is in, China is in, the two countries that Republicans told us over and over and over again they would never do. China, India, all these countries that are still growing, and they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. Experts agree that a climate policy that does not include massive energy consumers like China and India is essentially meaningless. We can't do it alone as one nation. The the benefit, I think, is difficult to justify when you realize that it's it's only us doing it. Nobody else is doing this. I don't think we can control the emissions from China and India, nor do they have any desire to control. The United States is a country. It's not a planet. If we have statements such as we do have from the leaders in China in India and in other countries saying under no circumstances are they going to accept any kind of mandatory reduction. What are we doing here? Well, what you're doing there is lying to the American public. That was Republicans from uh, recent years as a montage we've gone back to many times <laughs> yes. during the Green News Report with these Republicans over and over again saying India and China will never agree to reduce emissions. What do you know? They have, they're signed on to the Paris Agreement, and they, unlike the U.S., plans to plan to stay in that agreement. And make the money from that agreement. And make a lot of money from, from it. selling yep. to the world clean energy technology. I mean, what we're talking about, and we'll get into this more later, but mm-hmm. what we're talking about is the United States stepping back from being a leader and eventually will end up importing all that clean energy technology instead of exporting it. During Trump's overseas trip last week, European leaders had pressed him to stay in the pact to keep the U.S. in the agreement. French President Emmanuel Macron spoke with Trump at length about the issue during a meeting in Brussels. And even at the Vatican, Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Perelin made his own pro-Paris pitch to Donald Trump and his advisors. News of Trump's expected decision drew swift reaction from the United Nations as well. The organization's main Twitter page quoted Secretary General Antonio Guterres as saying, quote, climate change is undeniable. Climate change is unstoppable. Climate solutions provide opportunities that are unmatchable. Uh, So it's not just folks overseas. It's not just the U.N. Folks back at home here have been uh, critical. The Sierra Club's executive director, Michael Bruhn, called the expected move, if it happens, an historic mistake, which our grandchildren will look back on with stunned dismay at how a world leader could be so divorced from reality and morality. 
House Democratic leader, uh, Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi of California, referred to it as a stunning abdication of American leadership and a grave threat to our planet's future. Trump claimed before taking office that climate change was a hoax, you'll remember that, created by the Chinese to hurt the U.S. economy. Such an assertion stands in defiance of broad scientific consensus, however. Word of Trump's expected decision comes a day after the president met with Scott Pruitt. And this might explain why today Donald Trump is talking about leaving the Paris Accord. Because yesterday he met with Scott Pruitt. He was the last guy he talked to. Yep, the administrator of the EPA, who was the former attorney general of Oklahoma, who had sued the EPA about 13 or 14 times on behalf of, yeah, the fossil fuel industry. Like his boss, Scott Pruitt has questioned the consensus of climate scientists that the earth is warming and that man-made emissions are to blame. Once in power, Trump and Pruitt have uh, moved to delay or roll back federal regulations limiting greenhouse gas emissions. That has kept you busy, Desi Doyen, on the Green News Report (laughs) for the past, I don't know how many months. Yep. Uh, while pledging at the same time to revive the long-struggling U.S. coal mines. Good luck with that, kids. What is not yet clear, Julie Pace writes, uh, is whether Trump plans to initiate a formal withdrawal from the Paris Accord, which under the terms of the agreement could take three years, or exit the underlying U.N. climate change treaty on which the accord was based. Desi Doyen, what does that mean exactly, those, those two separate choices that... I guess the Trump administration has if they wish to leave this uh, Paris agreement. Yes. So if they wish to leave, there's the four year plan and the one year plan. The four year plan is under the terms of the Paris agreement. No nation can even talk or begin to exit until three years into the agreement. So that would put it at November 2019. And then once a nation has signaled its intention to leave the agreement, Mm -hmm. it can't happen for another year. So if Trump does decide that he wants to use the four-year plan to exit just the Paris Agreement, then he would make that announcement. Um, You know, he would have to Mm -hmm. wait until November 2019 to make that announcement and the year that it would become... To make it official. To make it official. And then the day that it would become official is the day after the presidential election of 2020. (laughs) So if Raising the stakes for 2020, for sure. Indeed, indeed. And then also for the one-year plan, this is the one that could move much more quickly. This would mean withdrawing from the entire treaty under which the Paris Agreement has been written. That treaty is the 1992 United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. That was developed by the George Bush administration, the George H.W. Yeah, Bush Sr., yeah. Bush Sr., and signed and shepherded through by Bill Clinton. It was ratified by the Senate, the UNFCC, the Framework on Convention on Climate Change. So that means, as I understand it, that means that Trump would have to then go to the Senate to be to get permission to withdraw from the treaty itself because it's already been an approved voted on treaty it would also i believe require senate approval to withdraw from that treaty i guess we have to go back and read that treaty and find out if there's something in there that allows the president himself to somehow unilaterally pull out of it without a vote of the u.s senate um yeah we'd have to go back and look through the senate rules because there really isn't a whole lot of history of a united states president withdrawing from a treaty i was gonna say it has happened it's sort of but it was um, Uh, You know, Jimmy Carter tried to do it and it didn't work out because, you know, it was denied and then he dropped the idea. So historically, 
it hasn't really happened. I was going to say, it would be surprising if back then in that treaty they put in some provision, you know, that allowed the president to get out because back then... This was not a, a, a radical idea, no. uh, working with other U.N. nations to try to improve the, the global right. climate. This was before Republicans lost their minds. <laughs> and before 2010, uh, when before they didn't Citizens lose United. their mind, where they gained uh, uh, the ability to take untold numbers of dollars from corporations and people for so-called third-party uh, campaigns, uh, and that has made all the difference since 2010. I mean, we had a, a huge number of uh, Republicans who were actually in favor of doing something about climate change right up until Citizens United, and then all of the all of a sudden, those people went away. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and 21 other Republicans had sent Trump a letter just last week urging him to follow through on his campaign pledge to pull out of the climate accord, most of the senators who signed are from states that depend on the continued burning of coal, oil and gas. Some of them you heard in that montage being wrong about everything over the past, I don't know how many years when it comes to climate and uh, China and India. And at the same time, there have been influential voices urging Trump not to ditch the Paris Accord, including 40 Democratic senators who sent Trump a letter urging him to stay in. So you got about 20 Republican senators saying get out, 40 Democrats, Democratic senators saying to stay in two to one. Well, I guess we'll go with the uh, with the minority in that case. Uh, <laughs> the Democrats charge that getting out would, would would hurt America's credibility and influence on the world stage. And that much is clear already. As well, Des, you noted uh, hundreds of high-profile businesses have spoken out in favor of the deal. Oh, hell yeah. Including Apple, Google, Walmart, Dow Chemical, and even fossil fuel companies. Yes, even a few fossil fuel companies, including even a coal company. And the reason behind that mm -hmm. is because they want to be able to be have a seat at the table of these negotiations as they move forward, as the nations get together to discuss mechanisms and how hard they're going to try and who's going to share what technology. These companies want to be able to share the technology like carbon capture that would enable fossil fuel fuels to continue to be used. If you don't have a seat at the table, you can't offer, hey, w why don't you try our technology over here? Maybe, guys, buy it from us. Well, and yeah, that's and, probably not going to yeah, happen. And you're going to tick off a lot of these people who will want nothing to do with you thereafter. Oh, exactly. By the way, uh, some of those fossil fuel companies include ExxonMobil, Rex Tillerson's old company, and we have uh, some news out of a shareholder meeting today, which is very interesting. I hope we can get to a little bit later. Uh, BP, Shell, they all say the U.S. should abide by the deal. Now, remember, that's completely self-serving on their part. But it still says stay in the deal. Self-serving on their part, among other reasons, because they enjoy fracking natural gas, which decreases emissions. Uh, which competes and, against coal, which is a coal killer. Yep. And, uh, that's, and that is in their benefit. Yep. It's just one of the reasons they'd like to stay in, uh, in, in the deal as well. The U.S., of course, is the world's second largest emitter of carbon, followed, followed only by China. And Beijing has, uh, as noted, reaffirmed their commitment to meeting its targets under the Paris Accord. They recently canceled construction of about 100 coal-fired power plants and are investing billions in massive wind and solar projects.
CNN, a little bit later in the day, uh, cited two senior U.S. officials, Des. So now we're up from one anonymous source to two anonymous sources <laughs> okay. on this. Uh, that uh, Trump plans to uh, is expected to withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. Very interesting, though. Everyone who's covering this notes that uh, Trump is is known to change his mind at the last minute, even on these very big decisions. Yes. And every single story I've read today on this says uh, says the exact same warns, I guess. The exact same thing. Uh, in any event, the uh, the announcement, one way or another, is expected this week. Trump Trump says so, so it must be true. Uh, and uh, CNN notes that it would put the U.S. at odds with nearly every other nation on Earth who signed the 2015 carbon reduction plan and would reflect a major reversal of the Obama administration's efforts on climate change which I suspect is no small part of the reason that Donald Trump wants to do this. I can't speak for Scott Pruitt, but just for Donald Trump, who's kind of a vindictive guy. This is seen as Obama's uh, Obama's treaty, so it's got to be no good. Oh, sure. I'm sure it's a gigantic middle finger to Obama. But it's not, you know, it's not strictly a partisan issue in that, for example, Nick Burns, who served as undersecretary... Undersecretary of State during George W. Bush's administration. George W. Bush, no friend to the uh, to the environmentalists, to be frank, uh, very friendly to the uh, fossil fuel industry. Nick Burns described this as uh, he said, quote, this would be a colossal mistake to pull out of the treaty. It would also devastate our international credibility. We are one of the two largest carbon emitters with China. We are the ones who put this deal together. It is the first step to try to do something about climate change. And note the first step. He's absolutely right. Because even if we meet the uh, Paris commitments, we got a long way to go. I'll talk about that in our next segment. But uh, he says it's the first step to try to do something about climate change for President Trump to take us out. It is anti-science, he says. Again, that is the undersecretary of state for George W. Bush calling uh, Trump's move here a colossal mistake. If, in fact, it comes to pass. Meanwhile, uh, meetings inside the West Wing about Paris uh, have reportedly been very contentious. According to CNN, aides expressed their deep grievances over the climate agreement that uh, Obama helped broker with nearly every country. And I think that's a key word there, grievances. This is, without a doubt, the grievance presidency <laughs> of Donald Trump. So true. That's all this is about. Uh, noted ExxonMobil, a former ExxonMobil CEO, now Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, supports staying in the treaty, but so does, and I hadn't realized, I don't, I don't know that I had realized this, so does now Energy Secretary Rick Perry support staying in. Had, did you know that one? I, you know, I had not heard specifically, but it makes sense to me that he would. It, well, he's... Well, not if you know Rick Perry's past well, as the governor of Texas, as a huge supporter of fossil fuels. Uh, but since becoming energy secretary, uh, he he's, and he didn't even know what the Department of Energy did before he became secretary. <laughs> right. Uh, sir, he, he has admitted as much. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has he has been schooled, I guess is the right way to uh, describe it, by the scientists who cover mostly nuclear issues, who work on mostly nuclear issues at the Department of Energy. It's not really oil and gas related at all. But Rick Perry 
along with Tillerson, has advised against leaving the deal, according to sources uh, who CNN says join a bombardment of voices from outside the White House. Uh, the pre- and the president of ExxonMobil wrote to Trump personally stressing the importance of maintaining a seat at the global negotiation table. And see, this is why Rick Perry, as secretary of energy, makes sense to me that he would be advocating for staying in. Again, it has to do with selling U.S. technology and spreading U.S. technology throughout the world. The Department of Energy, one of the divisions of the Department of Energy, was mm-hmm. instrumental in coming up with the research that led to horizontal fracturing, which is why why we have fracking now. Mm-hmm. And the use of hydraulic fracturing. So that was U.S. taxpayer paid for research that has created this whole glut and boom in natural gas. And it's understandable then that Secretary Perry, once he goes to the Department of Energy, once he sees the advanced technology energy research that's going on, can say, oh, we need to stay in this game. We need to pay attention to these people. They know stuff. Right. Uh, But voices like Perry's are uh, reportedly being tempered by uh, those who uh, argue that the uh, that the Paris Agreement harms American jobs and punishes taxpayers. Trump himself has said uh, had said during the campaign, of course, that he would cancel the deal uh, while he was on the campaign trail. Not that you would know this is CNN reporting it now, but they weren't paying much attention to it back then. Uh, and, uh, of course, his, his campaign's energy plan included a pledge to cancel the Paris Agreement and stop all payments of U.S. tax dollars to U.N. global warming programs. But as far as uh, the cost to American jobs uh, and the cost to our reputation in the world and what it will actually mean scientifically uh, if we drop out of that treaty, let's take a Quick break here, and we will come back with that and much more on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Don't want to be an American idiot. Well, then don't run for president. Don't want a nation under the new media. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, on the news today that uh, the White House, Donald Trump, is preparing to exit or at least try to find a way to exit the Paris Climate Accord, the Paris Climate Agreement, the landmark agreement between uh, some 200 nations, the largest such agreement ever struck across the globe uh, to reduce carbon emissions in a voluntary manner. Each country having their own uh, way to reduce emissions. And yet Donald Trump wants to get out despite uh, world leaders and companies, including oil companies, uh, advising otherwise, including uh, his own Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson. I mean, it's it's kind of hilarious when you think about it. Uh, the U.S., 
Trump, he continues to try to talk about maybe negotiating a better deal. There isn't a better deal that could be negotiated. This cost the U.S. almost nothing to do. We were already headed in the area, in the, in the range of lowering our and emissions. And we're heading in that direction anyway. Oh, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why, you know, in one sense, I'm exercised and upset by the uh, stupidity here. In the other sense, uh, you know what? This world's going to move forward without Donald Trump no matter what. Let me, uh, I'll get to that in a moment. The Reuters, I wanted to note uh, in the last segment uh, that uh, they found that quitting the Paris Accord may not actually resonate even with Trump's own Republican Party base as much as Trump might expect that it will. A March uh, Reuters Ipsos poll, opinion poll, found that 50% of Republicans, 50% of Republicans agree that the U.S. should lead the global fight against climate change, while just 37 percent disagreed, 13 percent were unsure. So even more Republicans, rank and file Republicans, people who are willing to identify themselves as Republicans as of March of this year, uh, say that we need to lead this global fight instead of uh, instead of running from it. <laughs> so essentially, mm-hmm. if Trump decides to go ahead and withdraw from the Paris Agreement in order to stay true to the promises that he made to his base, he could be shredding U.S. international standing, shredding our future economic opportunities in the clean energy, all for a bunch of people who may not actually care. Who may not, who actually prefer that he doesn't well, do and, these and it's things. true. Yale Climate Communications yeah. did a huge poll last month, and they found that in every single state, majorities of Americans in every state want the United States to stay in the Paris Agreement. This is even in red states. Majorities want to stay in the Paris Agreement. So 70 percent overall nationwide of of Americans want to stay in the Paris Agreement. So he's obviously not listening to what the polls say. I think he's only listening to what his fossil fuel industry friends say. Friends say, say, which would be Scott Pruitt, because not even all of the fossil fuel industry wants him to get out. Right. Uh, All of this, of course, may help explain the frustration of the uh, G7 allies during and after Trump's summit with the uh, with the leaders of the G7 over the uh, over the past weekend, including Germany's uh, Angela Merkel, who has expressed a lot of frustration and uh, has warned the the European Union that the U.S. can no longer be counted on for leadership for pretty much anything. Uh, that's what Merkel said. Also, Italian Prime Minister Paolo Gentilini, I'm sorry, Gentiloni, uh, who chaired the meeting of the G7, said that uh, the other six members will not change our position on climate change one millimeter. He said he hopes the U.S. decides the right way. He says this is not a minor point. Hopes the U.S. decides soon and well because the Paris Accords need the contributions of the U.S. Emmanuel Macron of France, the new French president there, uh, said the uh, said the U.S. is indispensable and that it's indispensable for the reputation of the U.S. and the interests of Americans themselves that the U.S. remain committed to Paris. Um, Alden Meyer, the director of strategy and policy for the Union of Concerned Scientists, an advocacy group in uh, in D.C., said that discord over climate change was unusual for G7 summit meetings. This is very rare that there's there's such a disagreement. Uh, He said that there have been differences, to be sure, in some past summits, but not a sharp 
open split like this. Meyer said that President Trump should join the other leaders in protecting Americans from the mounting impacts of climate change and reaping the economic benefits of the clean energy revolution, rather than trying to shore up flagging fortunes of the polluting coal and oil industry, said Meyer. So this is a very important point, and it does not get enough coverage. What gets coverage is Republicans saying this is going to cost jobs, it's going to cost thousands, millions of jobs. Lying about it. Uh, lying about it. But what doesn't get uh, covered nearly enough in this country, uh, Dr. Joe Rome, formerly with the Department of Energy himself, former uh, energy secretary, uh, under undersecretary uh, of energy. Sec- yeah. And yes, he worked during in the, the renewable energy during the Clinton administration. Right. Uh, many times uh, has been a guest on our show. Uh, He reported just a couple of weeks ago the stunning drops in the cost of wind and solar energy that he says have turned the global power market upside down. This is the kind of stuff that ought to be leading the news here, but that you almost never hear about. For years... He writes, opponents of renewable power like Donald Trump have argued they that uh, renewable energy simply isn't affordable. The reality, however, is quite different. Unsubsidized renewables have now become the cheapest source of new power. Let me say that again. Unsubsidized renewables have now become the cheapest source of new power by far in more and more countries, according to a new report from the United Nations and Bloomberg News Energy Finance. In just one year, Rome notes, the cost of solar generation worldwide dropped on average 17%, according to the report. The average cost for onshore wind dropped 18% last year alone, while those for offshore wind fell a whopping 28%. That's almost 30%. These are huge numbers. And that's just year over year. That's year over year, Uh, which has meant that, uh, again, unsubsidized renewables like wind and solar are now cheaper than anything else in many countries. Uh, the uh, the uh, chair of the Bloomberg New Energy Finance Group said after the dramatic cost reductions of the past few years, unsubsidized wind and solar can provide the lowest cost new electrical power in an increasingly in an increasing number of countries, even in the developing world, sometimes by a factor of two. Liebrich said instead of having to subsidize renewables, now authorities may have to subsidize. Wait for it natural gas plants to help them provide grid reliability. Oh, and it's already happening with nuclear energy here in the United States. That's not something we've reported on quite a bit, but here in the United States, states that have nuclear power plants like, say, Ohio, Mm -hmm. are actually moving through their state legislatures to establish special subsidies to help the nuclear energy industry stay competitive and stay in business in new york state they just passed a few months ago an entire separate subsidy just to keep their nuclear power plants running and and nuclear power wouldn't be there in the first place without government subsidies without loan guarantees it is as as you like to say the most expensive way to boil water indeed it is 
but yeah, go ahead. Uh, it, it, but there is a point to be made about nuclear in the fact that it already built nuclear, not new nuclear, but already built mm-hmm. and existing and operational nuclear is clean, zero emissions energy. So there is a question and a conversation to be had about what we should do with the clean energy that we have right now with our nuclear plants well, it's- versus prioritizing, say, phasing out fossil fuels, which are adding to our cumulative CO2 problem. Yes, and nuclear energy, while it may be clean as far as emissions goes, it's not clean as far as waste goes. It's not, no, certainly not. It's certainly not uh, safe, as like a lot of people like Absolutely to claim. Absolutely not. And yet, you're right. A lot of uh, climate scientists have said we have no choice but to go to nuclear. I'm but not- to keep our nuclear in place. And that's the conversation that we should be talking about. Now, we should be discussing all of these policies instead of, you know, this kind of crap that we have to deal well, with now. Well, yes, we should be discussing and debating that because there is right. a legitimate debate to be had. But what we should also be discussing uh, is what Liebrich uh, tweeted back in August of this year in regard to the, the, the price of solar in, in Chile. Solar power delivers cheapest unsubsidized electricity ever, anywhere, by any technology. Yes. Uh, in that uh, he was uh, talking about there was a, a, a an auction at the time um, for for power in, in Chile, I guess. And in that same auction, the price of a new coal power plant was nearly twice as high as solar. So uh, the hard reality of rapidly declining costs for renewables and storage, as Rome points out, uh, makes clear that uh, Donald Trump may be pushing on a string and a very dirty one at that if he wants to rely on new coal somehow and opening public lands to mining and gutting President Obama's clean power plan. Nonetheless, that's the direction, reportedly, that Donald Trump is now headed. So what if the U.S. does quit the climate deal? What effect will that have for the planet? Well, as Seth Borenstein writes at, uh, at AP, doesn't look good for Earth. No. Earth is likely to reach more dangerous levels of warming even sooner if the U.S. retreats from its pledge to cut carbon dioxide pollution, according to scientists, if you believe those sorts of people. That's because America contributes so much to rising temperatures. Uh, In an attempt to understand what could happen to the planet if the U.S. pulls out of Paris, the AP consulted with more than two dozen climate scientists who said that it would worsen an already bad problem and make it far more difficult to prevent crossing a dangerous global temperature threshold. And and this is important to understand that even if we stayed in the Paris Climate Agreement, even if we did not pull out, even if we managed to uh, stick to the, what is it, two degrees, the, no the more than two, two degrees, degrees rise. Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Which is about four and a half degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Even if we managed to keep the temperatures to that, if you talk to scientists, uh, as, as we do, as I know you do, Desi, uh, we've been doing the Green News Report for almost a decade now. Scientist after scientist continue to say, even if you uh, meet that, if you don't cross that uh, two degree threshold, according to the Paris Treaty, we're still in trouble. 
Oh, we still have quite a few very serious, very challenging impacts that are already baked in. I mean, note that we are already seeing more extreme deluges uh, throughout the country and throughout the world. There has been since 1950 a 70% increase in some regions of the United States, a 70% increase in extreme deluges. They occur more frequently. They're longer lasting. They cause more flooding. They cause more damage. Now, that's something that we're seeing already. And Already we have risen, we have raised global temperatures by one degree Celsius. So the limit, the threshold, the target was two degrees Celsius. These uh, studies project We're quite a bit more. We're way overshoot yes. that. Yeah, calculations suggest that if the U.S. pulls out, uh, it would result in emissions of up to three billion tons of additional carbon dioxide in the air per year, added up year after year. Scientists said that's enough to melt ice sheets faster, to raise seas higher, trigger more extreme weather. If we lag, the news tightens, says uh, Princeton University climate science scientist Michael Oppenheimer, uh, who co-edits the peer-reviewed journal Climatic Change. One expert group ran a worst-case computer, uh, computer simulation of what would happen if the U.S. does not curb emissions, but that other countries do meet their targets. If those other countries are able to continue, but America dropped, U.S. drops out, uh, we would much we would add as much as a half a degree of warming. Uh, that's uh, 0.3 degrees Celsius to the globe by the end of the century, which you'll hear Republicans say, including Ted Cruz, who wrote this ridiculous op ed calling on Donald Trump to get out. Uh, that's that's nothing. That's hardly nothing. Half oh a goodness. degree. Um, Half a degree is something like adding so much to sea level rise mm -hmm. that it will basically require full retreat from the coasts. This almost nothing that Ted Cruz talks about means that, say, the Navy yards at Norfolk, Virginia will have to pull back. Many said uh, because <clears throat> because of rising seas. Because of rising Ma seas. Many uh, said because of uh, cheap natural gas that displaces coal and growing adoption of renewable energy sources, it's unlikely that the U.S. would stop reducing its carbon pollution even if it abandoned the accord, so the effect would li is likely smaller. Other countries say it could be even worse because uh, others say it could be worse because other countries may follow U.S.'s lead and exit uh, the agreement, leading to more emissions from both the U.S. and the rest of the world. So far, that does not seem to be the case. And as far as continuing on in the U.S., um, no matter what Donald Trump says the U.S. is doing. Well, here in California, uh, Jerry Brown, was this uh, in response uh, Yes, today? this was uh, Governor Jerry Brown today speaking with the Sacramento Bee. He had his, this was his response to the rumors that Trump was going to exit the Jerry Paris Brown, Amendment. of course, a Democrat. Well, it's, it's unfortunate, uh, possibly even tragic, for the United States, which joined with China to promote the Paris Agreement. Right. Now for the president to pull out, I mean, come on. It was 25 years ago that the uh, countries of the world and the first President Bush met in Rio where the framework on climate change was initiated, 1992. And here we are, uh, 2017, uh, going backwards. It cannot stand. It's not right. And California will do everything it can to not only stay the course, uh, but to build more support in other states, other provinces, and with other countries. 
All right. Well, there you go. That's us out here in California. We're going to uh, uh, keep moving in the right direction. Oh, whether yeah. the rest of the state will, the states will around the country, whether they will remains to be seen. And whether the rest of the world will, that also remains to be seen. I've got some news on that. And uh, as Europe begins looking to the east instead of looking to the west. Uh, and uh, and some news from this Exxon shareholder uh, meeting today. Very interesting. Let me take a quick break and get back to that uh, on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. And I'm waiting. The world will move ahead with or without the United States as we wait for Donald Trump to make his decision on whether or not to pull out of the Paris Climate Pact. Uh, following a meeting with Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi on Tuesday, German Chancellor Angela Merkel reiterated once again her stand that Europe must, quote, take fate into our own hands. This came just a day after uh, her foreign minister accused U.S. President Donald Trump of, quote, weakening the West. Merkel stressed the importance of U.S.-German relations while at the same time looking eastward for new opportunities by holding court with an Indian delegation in Berlin. Uh, this uh, Merkel said during her press conference with Modi that the discussions with the USA are just as important as with other partners. The transatlantic relationship is of incredible importance, but what I said at this current point in time is that there are more reasons than there even were before to take our fate into our own hands. Uh, Merkel said, when we talk about the Paris Climate Agreement, we're talking about supporting this actively, and I'm happy to see India is committed to the Climate Accord and implementing it intensively. For his part, Prime Minister Modi, hailed Germany as a, quote, reliable and trustworthy partner for India and said mankind had a duty to protect the environment for future generations. He told reporters, I think that it is our responsibility and we have no right to play with the future generation's environment. If we play with the future of our next generation, it becomes a criminal act on our part. That's the Prime Minister of India who, again, remember going back to earlier in the show, all of those Republicans saying, India will never act. India will never act. China will never act. 
So um, they're moving on with or without us, so to speak. And, uh, you know, and then you have guys like uh, Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, who uh, who has been calling on Donald Trump to leave the Paris Climate Pact. He uh, he wrote a CNN op ed this week saying that uh, Trump needs to pull out, quote, as soon as possible. He says the agreement would force American taxpayers to subsidize alternative energy at the expense of clean coal, nuclear power and natural gas energy sources that actually work for our economy and our environment. So uh, we talked about this last segment, subsidizing renewables. He is citing clean coal. Which is wildly expensive and, and un- wildly subsidized, right? And frankly, wildly unworkable to right. date. Nuclear power, which requires huge taxpayer subsidies and loan guarantees, and by the way, leaves taxpayers on the hook for cleanup from disasters, storage of nuclear waste, etc. And he cites natural gas, which fracking, which also requires subsidies like public land grants and tax breaks and. Ironically enough, the Paris Agreement would actually encourage rather than discourage fracking. I know, because it would help to displace coal, and uh, fracking is the fastest way to do that. Of course, I have my disagreements with going with that. I think we should go directly to renewable solar and wind. Do not pass go. Do not pass fracking. Just go straight to clean energy. But it's fracking is the the reason, frankly, for the coal industry's problems in the first place. Right, and the free market competition from natural gas. And also remember that, you know, Ted Cruz is totally lying about subsidies because fossil fuels have been subsidized by the U.S. federal government, by the U.S. taxpayer since 1919. For nearly 100 years, the oil and gas industry has had permanent subsidies, about $4 billion a year from taxpayers. Now, it's no surprise that uh, Ted Cruz's op-ed for CNN actually makes little or no sense at all. He cites numbers to support his position from the National Economic Research Associates economic consulting study uh, in in finding, and here's, uh, again, quoting from Cruz in this op-ed, the Paris Agreement could obliterate, obliterate $3 trillion of GDP. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <clears throat> he says six and a half million industrial sector jobs will be destroyed. $7,000 in per capita household income will be taken out of the American economy by 2040. Meeting the 2025 emissions reduction target alone could subtract $250 billion from our GDP and eliminate 2.7 million jobs. 11 billion jobs. Yes, exactly. Of course, those numbers are, now, are who, not real. Well, who is this National Economic Research Associates, or NERA? Uh, well, NERA is a, it's an economic consulting firm that SourceWatch identifies as the identi- as the entity that published a t- June 2011 report on behalf of a coal industry front group. You may remember them, the American Coalition for Clean Coal Electricity. Their report concluded that clean air rules proposed by the Obama administration, this was back in uh, 2012, would cost utilities. $18 billion annually and raise electricity prices 11.5% on average in 2016. 
Oddly enough, electricity prices did not go up 11.5% by 2016. And this was uh, was a report from the Smog blog. Our friend Steve Horn over there covered this back in uh, in 2012. The uh, report from this coal industry front group that uh, Ted Cruz is essentially citing here for his numbers, that report back in, uh, excuse me, back in 2012, went so far as to say that the EPA regulations of coal-generated electricity would amount to some one and a half million lost jobs over the next four years. As it turns out, we did not lose one and a half million jobs over the next four years. So this is a group It was funded by... uh, uh, actually, uh, the right wing uh, Hudson Institute, if you follow the if you connect the dots here uh, to the guy who um, who runs this thing is actually the right hand man of Rupert, right hand man of Rupert Murdoch. Well, there you go. Owner of Fox News and News Corp. So that begins to explain uh, who these people are and who it is that uh, Ted Cruz is citing. But listen, even Exxon, even Exxon shareholders who held their meeting today, who had the unfortunate uh, timing to hold their shareholder meeting today when Donald Trump is announcing, uh, or at least sources say, that Donald Trump will be announcing pulling out from the uh, Paris Agreement. Uh, ExxonMobil shareholders shareholders on Wednesday approved a proposal calling for the company to disclose the impact of compliance with global climate change guidelines on its uh, on its business, which is an issue central to probes by two state attorneys general into ExxonMobil. A preliminary tally of shareholders today showed the non-binding proposal by shareholders passed with little more than 62 percent of the ballots cast. The world's largest publicly traded oil company, said that uh, this proposal, non-binding, of course, but ExxonMobil says that this passed with 62% of the ballots. This was an increase from last year when just 38% supported a similar report uh, for ExxonMobil. Essentially, what the shareholders are calling for here here is a report to say, well, what will happen? What will happen to ExxonMobil's business, to its share prices, if, in fact, the Paris Climate Agreement is actually met? And it's kind of incredible to me that Exxon, you know, you've got uh, 200 nations uh, two years ago, the 2015 uh, uh, Paris Agreement, and Exxon has still not put out a report that investigated what will happen if the world meets these climate goals. That's kind of incredible to me. Exxon has opposed this proposal. They're claiming that they already test its business for impacts from changing technology and energy uh, demand using a range of scenarios and that it it has stepped up its efforts this year to defeat the proposal by those shareholders uh, calling them and and lobbying shareholders. Pretty please don't pass this. uh, Don't adopt this. But uh, ExxonMobil shareholders, including a lot of very large ones, uh, apparently some big hedge funds. Yeah. Had to vote in favor of this for it to pass with 62 percent of shareholders. So this is going to require Exxon to assess the risks to its business if carbon emissions were held to a level that would keep average global temperature increase to under two degrees Celsius. That is the central goal of the uh, of the Paris Treaty. A separate proposal, by the way, uh, calling for a report on Exxon's efforts to reduce emissions of methane, another greenhouse gas from fracking in its operation, 
<clears throat> that received report from only 38% of ballots cast this year. But remember, 38% happens to be what the successful proposal that passed with 62%, it only got 38% last year. So this is all moving very, very quickly, even at ExxonMobil, even at a company which claims to support efforts on climate change, but whose uh, historical record going back now decades, as we're learning more and more, uh, has been anything but. They have been, uh, at least had been, funding to the tune of millions of dollars climate change deniers like Ted Cruz and those groups from whom he draws his phony numbers. Things are changing fast. They are, and we are trying to keep up with them day in and day out. So thank you for joining us uh, today for that. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. Thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day, at least until ExxonMobil starts funding us. <laughs> Probably not going to happen anytime soon. You can also download our show uh, for free anytime at bradblog.com. Uh, and you can drop me email at bradcast at bradblog.com. Also on the Facebooks and the Twitters, follow us far and wide and please share us. You can find me there at simply the Bradblog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. And I mean it. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.